Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hello and welcome to the Drabblecast, episode 43. The Drabblecast is a weekly flash fiction podcast that brings strange stories by strange authors to strange listeners, such as yourself. I'm your host, Norm Sherman. Well, the holidays are upon us, and I'm getting ready to drive 16 hours down to Georgia for a few days. I'm getting stocked up on podcasts and audiobooks for that. This week I'll be putting downloadable MP3s of all the past Drabblecasts on the website, so if you've got a big trip coming up too, you should stock up on the archived episodes to help get you through. Or you can burn them on CD and make stocking stuffers out of them. If you're looking for last-minute gift ideas, here's another one for you. Check this. CNN.com The International Rhino Foundation is auctioning on eBay four pieces of rhino dung, It'll use the proceeds to fund conservation efforts. The pieces come from four of the five types of rhino, white, black, Indian, and Sumatran. The Javan rhino is so rare a sample could not be collected. Each piece is dried, mounted in a clear trophy case, and marked with the type of rhino that produced it. How about that, huh? I guess the lump of coal just isn't cutting it anymore. I posted a link to one of these auctions on the Drabblecast forum. The white rhino dung sold for over $1,000. Makes me wonder what they could have gotten for that rare Javan rhino poop if it hadn't been constipated. Personally, I'm waiting till after the holidays to order my collectible rhino turds. That's when they go on sale. It's called smart shopping, people. But this is such a crazy time of the year, isn't it? We call it the holidays because there's so many different peoples and traditions, but regardless of the different official reasons for merriment, there's all sorts of parallel outlandish things going on. I mean, gingerbread lattes and Kathy Lee Gifford and rhino feces. Some celebrate by giving gifts to loved ones, and others celebrate by emerging from their mountaintop caves and robbing the vulnerable dwarven townsfolk below. For me, it's about getting together with loved ones and then trying to convince them to go see Alien vs. Predator Requiem with me. That is a common theme of this season, though, the celebration of relationships. This week's Drabble story is a holiday story in that respect, at least. Drabbles are stories of exactly 100 words. You can send yours to drabblecast at yahoo.com. This week's story is called Choosing Home by Josh Hugo. By day, Josh swallows insipid coffee at a dull desk job in an unremarkable town in the midst of a bland landscape. But by night, premium espresso fuels his schemes to conquer the worlds of film and literature. You can learn more about these schemes at joshhugo.com. So here goes, Choosing Home by Josh Hugo. Braven pressed a gun and a sheaf of bills into Lyra's hands. They're looking for me, so I have to leave you, he said, turning away. Wait, Lyra called. Braven stopped and listened. 
I'm not asking for help, she said in a timid voice. If you're leaving to save yourself, then go as fast as you can. But if it's to save me, then I'd rather stay with you. They'll kill us. But we'll live until then. They stood silent, each holding the eyes of the other. Then Braven took Lyra's hand. They walked together down the tracks into swirling snow. Our feature story this week is called Jelly Park by Aaliyah Whiteley. Aaliyah is a left-handed writer from the south of England. Her book, Three Things About Me, is available from Macmillan Press, and her second, Light Reading, will also be released by them. You can find out more about Aaliyah and her work on her website, aaliyahwhitely.com. This week's story is also co-read by Dermot Glennon, author of Drabblecast episode 29, Code Brown, and the book Occam's Blunt Instrument, which are both hilarious. You can find a link to the book on our website. So without further ado, Jelly Park by Aaliyah Whiteley. <laughs> I must have fallen asleep on the bus. It was the late night that did it playing Portishead records with a bottle of Jack D and a packet of Black Sabranis for company. By 12 o'clock, I was singing Nobody Loves Me in a hoarse growl. By 2, I was attempting to play solo Twister to prove that friends are just not necessary in life. By 3.30, I'd stolen the pot plant from outside flat 6 and chucked it out of my top floor window. I've had enough of decorative frippery for one lifetime. I don't remember going to bed, but that's because apparently I didn't. I'm still not sure how I made it to the bus stop, but I must have because I definitely woke up on the top deck of a double-decker and the view from the window was definitely of a rundown depot. My watch read 10.30 a.m. and the voice on the answering service of my mobile said, You are so bloody fired, you bitch. <laughs> that was my ex-boyfriend, and now my ex-boss speaking. From the smug tone, he meant it. He'd been looking for a way to get rid of me, though, and I wasn't really sorry I'd finally given it to him. So, I was no longer a legal secretary. What was I, then? You're in the wrong place, lovely. It took me a second or two to spot the speaker. He was half hidden behind the rail leading to the spiral staircase. Only his head and hands were visible. He was Welsh and grizzled and wearing a blue hat at a rakish angle. Um, sorry? This here is the end of the line, so to speak. At least passengers it is. Yeah, I can see that. I slid my mobile phone back into my bag. Passengers shouldn't really go any further than this sea, said the Welshman, who must have been the bus driver. Company and please only beyond this point. Beyond this point? But this is the depot. Oh yes, this is a depot. It's a depot all right. He sniffed and rubbed the skin under his large nose with one finger. I noticed he had very long fingernails. But there's more to life than the depot. At least for us drivers there is. Uh, like what? He winked. Got you curious, have I? 
Well, it just so happens that we're looking for new drivers right at this moment. Would you happen to be looking for employment? <laughs> um, I thought about the phone message. I thought about my ex-boyfriend and ex-boss, and the ex-friends who had sided with him after the breakup. What was I? I suppose I could be a bus driver, I said. Great. Put this on, lovely, and wait here. He disappeared back down the spiral staircase. I looked at the hat. It had a shiny black peak, and a silver badge had been sewn on the soft felt material on the crown. The badge read, Next stop, Jelly Park. I had never bothered to read the badges on bus drivers' hats before, but I'm fairly sure I had never suspected they said that. At that point, the piped music started. It was a bouncy little tune, a brass band, I think. I looked around and spotted the orange and yellow striped speaker situated in each corner of the bus, just below the roof. It's funny how unobservant people are on their daily commutes. Then I heard the singing. It started very softly, and as I strained to hear, it got louder and louder until a sudden burst of volume hurt my ears. A stream of bus drivers in their blue caps and uniforms poured out of the depot building in a crocodile line, two by two, holding hands and singing with their chins tilted up to the sky. They marched to the bus, and I heard the collective earthquake of their feet tramping up the spiral staircase. Before I could consider hiding or, or jumping out of the window, they were on me, filling the seats around me, jamming themselves into every crack. They came in all shapes and sizes. There were only two things they all had in common, their uniforms and their singing. They were all perfectly in tune with the piped music, and they all knew the words. Keep your sponge cake, fling your flan, stick your donuts, cream and jam. Leave your custard in its can and give us all some jelly. Jelly is the bouncy treat, never runny, always sweet. Squishy underneath your feet, now give us all some jelly. <laughs> I had to admit, it was catchy. A young Asian woman with lustrous black hair took the seat next to me and gave me a wave. Hello! Um, hello, I said. Not singing? She asked. I, I, I don't know the words. But you can sing, she asked rather anxiously, I thought. There was a tap on my shoulder. I swiveled in my seat and looked into the beaming red face of a middle-aged man who had an enormous unibrow. Of course you can sing, love. I bet you sing those nasty naughty songs about nobody loving you or what have you. And you only sing when no one else is about, right? But you can sing. Come on, let's have a peep out here. Give it a go. He looked at me with expectation in his eyes. I cleared my throat and opened my mouth. As if of their own accord, words poured out of me in perfect time with the music. Uh, in a trifle from a mold, rabbit shaped or ice cream cold, nothing better, so I'm told, than a lovely jelly. Jelly is a bouncy treat, never runny, always sweet. Swishy underneath your feet, now give us salt some jelly. And we're off, cried the monobrow man. Sure enough, the bus started moving slowly out of the depot and along the familiar streets of London. 
It was a highly enjoyable journey. The singing never stopped, and it was fun to wave at all the annoyed-looking pedestrians standing at bus stops as we cruised past them. Soon the city melted away into green fields and sunshine, and I actually began to feel like one of the gang. But still, the mystery remained. What was Jelly Park? You'll see, the Asian woman said, and winked. The green field soon became studded with gray buildings once more, and the sunshine disappeared behind a big cloud. It started to drizzle. We drove past a Mars bar factory. This is Slough, I said to my neighbor. She gave me a mysterious smile. We're nearly there, she said. But this is Slough. We just drove past the Mars bar factory. Here we are. They all cried at once, and we made a sharp turn left, everyone leaning against each other and clutching the rails on top of the seat in front of them. We pulled up with a screech into a large, empty car park, and I looked through the window at a squat, dilapidated building with a large, open gateway. Um, this is a warehouse, I said to my neighbor. Ooh, so close now, she said. Get ready for a treat. She grabbed my hand and pulled me to my feet. We joined the jostle to squeeze down the stairs and out of the bus. As we passed the cabin, the grizzled Welsh driver gave me an extra big smile. We got into formation and crocodiled through the open gateway into the shadowed, musty interior. All around us, piled high, were hundreds of cardboard boxes. The Asian woman let go of my hand, and the other drivers scattered apart, all running to a box each, whooping and grinning. Jelly Park! They breathed as a collective sigh. Then they opened the boxes and delved inside. I stood just inside the gateway and watched them pull out multicolored rectangular packets, no bigger than a fist. Catch. The monobrowed man called and threw a packet straight at me. I caught it as an instinctive reaction and turned it over in my hands. The label read, The Jolly Jelly Company. Break cubes apart and add one pint of boiling water. Pour into mold and refrigerate to set. It's jelly, I said. Or more precisely, jelly cubes. Packets of instant jelly cubes. Mine was lime-flavored. The others were ripping their packets open, tearing the cubes apart, and popping them into their mouths with accompanying noises of intense delight. Is this it? Is this Jelly Park? Well, what were you expecting, lovely? The monobrow man answered. I, I don't know. Something else. Like what? I'm, I don't know. I'm not sure I belong here, though. Then where do you belong? The others stopped chewing and looked at me expectantly. What am I? Am I a whiskey-drinking, cigarette-smoking, portis-head-listening-and-pot-plant-throwing kind of woman? Or am I a jolly bus driver, a singer, a laugher, a regular at Jelly Park? I ripped open the packet, tore off a cube, and popped it in my mouth. It tasted delicious. So now I drive the number 67 with a smile on my face. Nobody looks the badge on my hat, and nobody notices the yellow and orange striped speakers above their heads. 
But if you were to fall asleep while riding my route and found yourself waking up at the depot feeling a little lost and lonely, I might just invite you along to Jelly Park with me. Whether you come along is up to you. Well, that was our story. I hope you enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun collaborating with Aaliyah and Durham across the pond, and also getting to compose some music for those hilarious songs. Share your thoughts on the story by joining our discussion forums at www.drabblecast.org. There you can also participate in our Nigerian Scam Spam email contest going on. Check out last week's episode or hit the forum for details. Feedback for Drabblecast 37, Patrick Hurley's Nursing Home on the Moon story called Luna Springs. Anne Savoy said, I enjoyed this story. While I certainly do love creepy twists, I like the straightforwardness of this narrative and that it turned out the way you want it to for each character. I wouldn't call it a happy story, but it was satisfying. Mr. Tweedy thought the story was banal until the end, which he said was a poignant twist, but came too late in the story to really save it. We like hearing your feedback. Join the community. Well, that's all for this week. The Drabblecast uses a Creative Commons attribution non-commercial no derivatives license, which means you can't change it or sell it, but you can share it with whoever you want. We do accept donations to help pay our authors. You can find a donation link on our website if you'd like to help support us. Our staff is made up of co-editors Kendall Marchman, Luke Coddington, and myself, Norm Sherman. Wishing you happy holidays and reminding you to never fall asleep on the bus. You never know where you'll wake up. Sponge cake, fling your flag, stick your donuts, cream and jam, leave your custard in its can, and give us all some jelly. In a trifle from a mold, rabbit shaped or ice cream cold, nothing better, so I'm told, than a lovely jelly. Jelly is a bouncy treat, never runny, always sweet, squishy underneath your feet. Now give us all some jelly. Keep your sponge cake finger fun, stick your donuts, cream and jam. Leave your custard in its can and give us all some jelly. Jelly is a bouncy treat, never runny, always sweet. Squishy underneath your feet, now give us all some jelly. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. 
Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.